Welcome to the WA Property Q&A, the podcast where I explore the ins and outs of buying property in Western Australia. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and each week I interview local property experts to help you to develop a deep understanding of the nuances of buying property in WA. From market trends to legal considerations, no topic is off limits. But before we dive in, a friendly reminder, while we provide valuable information, it's important to note that nothing discussed in this podcast should be construed as personal investment advice. Always remember to seek the appropriate professional advice for your specific circumstances. Now, let's get started and unlock the secrets to successful property buying in WA. Welcome to another episode. And this week with me, I have Paul Watkins. Paul is the lead counsel, the lead legal counsel for Stuart Title Australia. He has uh, degrees in law, obviously, social sciences, didn't know that. He is a pilot and a drummer in a rock band. Have I got it all right, Paul? Pretty much, Peter. Pretty much. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's, been, it's great to be here. And you're in town because of the uh, Australian Institute of Conveyances, WA State Conference. That's right. Yeah. So Stuart Titles had a very long sponsorship and relationship with the AIC and WA. And we always like to come to the conferences and uh, see everybody and present a presentation on claims and what's happening in the state. So uh, that's happening tomorrow and looking forward to it. Paul, today we want to talk about title defects and the usual unknown title defects. And it's, a, it's an area that you're a subject matter expert in, which is why I really wanted to take the opportunity to have a chat with you while you're in town. So most people, when they buy a property, they think, well, they're buying a property, what can, you know, once they've done all the, the due diligence, you know, like a structural inspection and a termite inspection, it's all good from there. But it's not, right? There's other problems that can arise later. Absolutely. And, and most people, when they buy a property, don't think of defects in terms of title. They think of defects in terms of building. Hmm. And most of the you know, engineering or structural or pre-purchase building inspection reports that settlement agents recommend their clients to do focus on you know, the condition and repair of the building. But what lurks beneath all of that is the underlying title to the land. And land, like most things in Australia, is very highly regulated. And a lot of people buy land unaware that there's a lot of laws planning, environmental laws, building construction laws, zoning that restricts the use of land. And there's also a lot of people who have interests in land, neighboring properties, people who might want to use somebody else's land for access. And that sometimes creates property interest conflicts. And they all relate to title. So title is more than just what's built on the land. It's really the fundamental ownership. And so what we see in WA is the same as other parts of Australia where you can buy a property where you know the house is marvellous and it's got no building defects at all, but there are underlying title defects that you just can't discover when you purchase them. And that's really where the title insurance comes into play to cover some of those issues. So let's start talking about the big ones. Shall we start with fences or boundary defects? Yeah, absolutely. So, so a, a boundary defect is a title defect. Because you know, when your title is created, you look at your land gate title search and it will tell you how much land is contained in your title. But then what happens is that 
somebody fences that land in. And the question is, when the fence is placed, did they put it on the legal title or did they put it somewhere else? And then they build the house and all of a sudden you've got an issue because the fences don't match the legal boundary. And so you're using the land, but you may be using the land or you're using less land than your title gives you, or your fence might be encroaching onto a neighboring property or vice versa. And then you have a title-related issue because you've got a defect in the way that the property is being used, i.e. the location of the fence, potentially a neighborhood dispute with your neighbor, and then other things come into play like adverse possession. And we see a lot of that in WA. So a typical problem is that you know a client buys a property that's been around for 30 or 40 years. It was built 40 years ago. And over that time, the fences have been roughly in the location they are when, when the property's purchased. But then we find out that that fence is actually a meter into encroaching on the land we just purchased. And so we say to the neighbor, hey, look, that boundary fence, that's a meter onto my land. Why don't you uh, relocate it back to the legal boundary? And then the neighbor gets legal advice. And the legal advice is, well, that fence has been there for 30 years and that person has used the land on the, on the other side of that fence. And under the, under the law of adverse possession, they could actually make a claim for ownership of that land by, by long use. And then that owner is facing the prospect of actually losing that land for all time. So those sorts of issues are very much alive issues in WA. And, and as a title insurer, we see those every day. I can um, verify that. So I've been a real estate agent for a long time. I owned a real estate agency not far from here. And we sold a property in Miller Street, just around the corner from here. And it was 1,012 square meters, R30. So it was a stone cold triplex block, 20.12 frontage, 50.29 depth, all good to go. Flat level, cleared and settled it about a month after settlement the new owner walked into the office and said, we've got a problem. It's only a duplex block. And we go, no, it's a triplex block. There are 30,012 square meters. And they go, no, because it's not 1,012 square meters anymore. What had happened was exactly what you described. Somebody had built the back fence. Was, it was correct spot in one corner. And it was about a meter and a half wrong in the other corner. And so it shaved a bunch of, you know, like enough off that, that area and to drop it from a triplex block down to a duplex block. And we said, as most people would do, is, well, just go back to the people at the back and get them to move it. Get them to move it. And they said, well, yeah, we've asked that. But the problem is the property at the back has already been developed. So if the fence gets moved, it's going to chop into somebody's driveway and just render that property useless. And in any case, that person has, who is a lawyer has decided they're going to make an adverse possession claim on that little chunk of land and they were successful. And at this stage, we're just having a heart attack for, for the poor owner. And luckily, we were able to, or the new owner was able to negotiate with the town of Victoria Park to allow a triplex block. I had some discretion there, but that's, you know, it, it was an incredible. Uh, yeah. To the naked eye, that was perfect. 20.12, 50.29, not, not a problem at all, but it wasn't. And 
it was one of those moments where, you know, that was back before the days of, you know, title insurance and it was, yeah. The, the other issue, Peter, is that people, a lot of, we sell a lot of vacant land policies in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. So a lot of title insurance is being purchased in WA where people are buying a vacant walk and there's some perception, well, they're, they're, it's probably going to be less boundary risk because there's mm-hmm. nothing on the land. But we're finding that there is because there's a lot of boundary fence issues. So you're buying a vacant block, but the land is fenced. And where it becomes a problem is that in a lot of a lot of WA, there's minimum lot sizes to develop what you want to develop. So if you want to build a house that's a four-bedroom house, then you'll need a minimum lot size to do that because you've got to you've got to have minimum setbacks and and things of that nature. But what the planning authority are really looking at is what it's a minimum lot size in terms of available land. They don't really care what your title says you've got. If your fence is making the available land less than the minimum requirement by measurement, then you can't build your house. Mm. And, and we see a lot of that where people have bought land, they've bought a house off the plan. The idea is the house will go on the land, everything fits, it's, a, it's, it's the right lot size for the house. But because of the boundary fence problem, the available lot size just doesn't support that house. And so it's like, unless you get the boundary fence issue resolved, mm. you may not be able to build the house that you plan to build. And that, that could become a huge problem for many people who are buying the land to build a family home. So, so where do you guys come in? Like if somebody has a problem, you know, like you're kind of like vanilla ice, if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it kind of thing. And what? Where do you step in? We certainly try to solve it. Mm. So what triggers the claim will be somebody the survey walk, or the evidence. Walk, walking into your office saying, here's a, here's a survey report that we just got because we needed to get one of these in order to start building the house. And the survey report shows that boundary fence is encroaching and we now don't have the available land that we need. So that's the evidence of the encroachment. Of the fence. And that's a covered risk under the title insurance policy. So the title policy says that we will cover you for an adverse matter affecting title that a survey report would reveal. Okay. So that ticks that box. So the next question is, okay, it's a covered risk. What's your loss? You need to calculate what your loss is. Well, in this case, you're losing land, firstly, because the fence is now not allowing you to use the land that your title gives you. But secondly, it affects your ability to, to develop the land as well. So we need to look at those two issues. So what we generally do, we've got a, a panel of experts in WA. So we've got law firms, lawyers, building consultants, and uh, professionals that we can tap into. The first thing we do is we contact the neighbor and we, we test the water there. Mm-hmm. So we, we take the matter on on behalf of the insured. So we engage these professionals on their behalf to try and resolve the boundary issue. So title insurance is different from other insurance products where, for example, you know, a tree falls over and, and damages your roof. The insurer is going to come in and fix your roof. So you know, you're going to get, um, you're going to get you know, a building company. But with title-related issues, they're much more complicated. So mm-hmm. you often need legal professionals. So we'll sit there and we'll try and negotiate an outcome with the neighbor. And, you know, hopefully if the neighbors, you know, if they don't satisfy those adverse possession criteria, 
then we can get the fence moved. I mean, there's legislation in WA Dividing, Dividing Fences Act that comes to your assistance to get the, the fences moved. Sometimes neighbours threaten that they'll, you know, that they've got adverse possession rights, but they don't actually have them and they don't want to test that in court. Mm. So we'll try and get the fences moved and fixed. If we just can't, if they've just lost that title because of adverse possession, our legal advice says, no, sorry, that those fences have been there for 20 years and you just lost it. Then we have to look at a compensation approach and then we'll look at compensating the insured for the loss of the land and any associated loss, such as, for example, in, in the case of the vacant land where they can't build that house, does that would obviously diminish the value of that lot as well. Yeah, 100%. If property went from being a three-unit property site down to uh, two units, that's a, a substantial loss. It diminishes the value of that property because mm. it, it diminishes the, the use to which it can be put. So, mm. yeah, we see those issues a lot in, in WA. There are other issues such as encroaching structures, so not just fences, but you can have people who build garages and other structures very close to the boundary and the eaves and gutters encroach onto the neighbouring property or vice versa. And other issues are also that we see with planning and vacant land is when the subdivisions are done, land subdivided for development. And the planning authority says, okay, you know, you need to do A, B and C to get this subdivision that might require a drainage easement or some other covenant or restriction or some other use. And sometimes that's not complied with. So you, people can build structures right over the top of an easement that's reserved for drainage, which mm. says you shouldn't be building things over here. Or some developers just don't do all the things that the subdivision approval requires. And that's not known until later on down the track. Mm. And it's so there's not, a lot of interesting claims that we get from subdivisions and, and those kinds of uh, issues. It's not known until it's known. Correct. And then it's a problem. And then often it's a big problem because mm. it goes back to what we're talking about, which, you know, when you do your land gate title search, what you should be able to do is rely on that search to say, well, I've got, I can see what my encumbrances are. So I know what available land I've got, what I can build. But, you know, if there's, an, if there's supposed to be a drainage easement that runs 1.5 metres down the northern boundary and that encumbrance never made it onto title, then it's not going to appear on the title. Nonetheless, there might still be an obligation to create that drainage easement. And it's like Russian roulette because subdivision approvals run with the land. So a developer can get the approval and then the land can change ownership two or three times. And the third successor in title is the one where the planning authority discovers, hey, that drainage easement never got registered. Well, the planning authority doesn't go back to the developer. They go to the current landowner because that development consent runs with that land. And so it's very unfair that work that was or was not done by someone five, six years ago, they escape liability because they sell the land and the new owner becomes responsible. And mm. And that's where it's really important to insure against those risks because you don't have a lot of options available yep. to you. To go back to boundary fences and associated encroachments from structures, improvements, are there any areas that worse, better or worse, in your opinion, in terms of claims made? Areas within Western Australia? Yeah. And, and I'm thinking you're going to say places like 
you know, the Wild West, Kalgoorlie, Port Hedland, you know, like, but also older areas in Perth. Certainly the older areas are the higher risk because the fences have been there longer. So our fence, we'd been living in our property for, I don't know, 15 years or something. And I had a survey done on it. Our fence was about a meter out at the back. And it was about, uh, about a foot out on down one side. And it was just like, I'm a real estate agent. I should know this stuff. It's very it was, common. It was just, yeah, okay. And it's particularly problematic. I mean, I'm from Sydney and, you know, Sydney prices are so insane now that, you know, people are paying $3 million for a 1950s three-bedroom home. And so when you're paying that kind of coin for, for a property, if you suddenly, if you're losing, you know, five square meters, you know, back, mm. in, the, back in the, you know, 30 years ago, you'd go, ah, oh, whatever. But now, Not anymore. now mm. you, 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 go to, you go to war over, you know, that, that kind of uh, square meterage because it's so valuable. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see in, in WA and Perth because obviously, you know, property prices, when they go up, and land values increase and people are more mindful of the fact that they want to protect their asset. They want to protect their investment. And so we've definitely seen, I can't think of any areas at the top of my head, but I've, we've certainly seen an uptick in disputes mm. in WA. So when we started insuring here back in the early 2000s, we didn't see as many disputes between neighbours. But now we're seeing a lot more. I think Western Australians are becoming more litigious mm-hmm. And are more willing to, you know, go to bat for their, you know, for their rights. And if there's a if the fence out of whack, you know, we do get the odd occasion where the the neighbours are, you know, very friendly. Oh yeah, no, we'll fix that. Sorry about that. You know, let's let's see you, you know, see you over for a barbecue on Sunday. But we're seeing more and more, you know, legal letters that that go between neighbours, mm. um, where they are they're willing to fight fight for this, you know, five square metres. So mm, mm. it's definitely not uh, an issue that's going to go away anytime soon. Let's talk about unapproved structures because that's another big title defect, isn't it? It is. So where it becomes a title defect is that unapproved structures. So when, when we talk about unapproved structures, we're talking about building work that's been carried out on a property without getting the requisite council or shire approval. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that activates a council or shire's enforcement powers under the Building Act. And that's what becomes a defect in title because once a, an authority, such as a shire, discovers un- unauthorized building work, it can issue building notices under the Building Act. And that becomes a, a statutory charge on the land. You can't just ignore those. If somebody issues you with a building notice, you can't just put it in the drawer and hope it goes away. It's something that affects title because it's something that binds successes in title. They become liable to comply. Mm. And under the Building Act, there's a lot of powers there. So if you ignore it, council have the statutory power to come in and do the work themselves, the demolition work themselves, and then send you a bill Mm. as the owner. And if you don't pay that bill, they can put a charge on the land. So it's quite a sizable issue. And Western Australians love to build pergolas and entertainment decks and pergolas. Did I mention the pergola? There are so many unauthorized pergolas in Western Australia. And that is a risk because when someone buys a property with a large pergola, it turns out to be unauthorized and a council becomes aware of that. 
they will issue a notice on the property and you as the new owner have to deal with that notice. And uh, that can either be a fairly inexpensive process because if the pergola has been built you know, well, meets all building codes and standards, structurally sound, then you, know, you apply for a building approval certificate, you spend a bit of money, but you generally you know, get that over the line. Where you have problems is where the pergola may have been built in a time where the building codes were a little bit different. And in order for the building approval certificate to be issued, you have to satisfy council that the pergola complies with the building codes of, of, that exist today. And if that pergola was built 10 years ago, it might not comply. Mm. And all of a sudden, you're looking at rectification works to bring it into compliance with current building codes and standards. And that's the problem. That's the problem we see in WA is that a lot of the claims we get, the unauthorized works, and we're not talking just about pergolas, we're talking about it can be second story additions, it can be extensions. You could turn a two bedroom home into a three bedroom home by converting a garage into a bedroom or converting other space into a habitable space. All of that is done at a certain time where you now have to satisfy the council that, hey, that, that complies with building codes. And so there's not many claims that we get in WA where, where we don't also have to pay uh, rectification works or rectification costs. How do these notices come out? Because obviously the council's not just wandering around the suburb looking for things that are done wrong. Something triggers that to, to occur. What is that? Look, generally speaking, it's when the new owner actually does the right thing and decides to get a permit for some further work that they're doing. So they buy a property and then they said, you know what, you know what, you know what this property's missing? A swimming pool. We've got a lovely pergola, but we haven't got a swimming pool. So we'll go through the process of building this lovely swimming pool. And that might require a permit or some sort of building or planning approval from council. And so they do the right thing. They go to council. And in the process of doing that, the council says, hey, we don't, we don't have that, you know, that large pergola on our approved plans. That, that's an unauthorized structure. And then all of a sudden it's a problem. So that's certainly where we see a lot of claims coming from, where the insured actually wants to further develop the property. More and more councils in Western Australia are also being proactive about compliance. A lot of councils, it was prohibitively expensive. So if you wanted to have a look at your council area, you had to charter an aircraft or something or charter some aerial photography. But in the age of satellite imagery now, and even drones, a lot of councils, if they want to sort of check, do a sweep to see if there's any structures that have been built in their area that that they don't have corresponding permits for, it's relatively inexpensive to access satellite photography services, even Google Earth, that's free, mm. or utilize drones. So we're certainly seeing more shires um, who are being proactive about development and compliance as well. On that example you used of people doing the right thing and then getting pinged by council, we had an example in, I think it was Kelmscott or Gosnells, one of those southern suburbs where the people had, they came to us and said, we've got a, a um, it's like a workshop that's not council approved. And we looked at the contract and the contract said the seller warrants that all, all improvements uh, have council approval. And we went back to the buyer and, the, and we told them that and they said, yeah, but the problem is that the 
approval on this workshop had the workshop one meter from the fence and it's about four 400 mil too close to the fence and if we wanted to extend it into a into a granny flat we've got to you know pick it up and move it and because it was built contrary to the approval Stuart title actually came to the party and paid for the cost of shifting it and I think that was the you know pretty that, close to the story yeah I mean that that's another that's another aspect so Certainly, the, the coverage under the policy covers unapproved work, but it also covers work that's actually approved. There's an approval for it, but the work as constructed does not comply with the approval. Mm. You know, a, a classic claim we had in WA was where a house was constructed and the developer was required to put privacy louvers over the glass windows that was on the approved plans. And the builder never did that. They just didn't do that step. And it was not something that was ever picked up. But it was picked up by the Shire many years later when, when it became known to them that these privacy louvers were never installed. And so that turned out to be a breach of the planning approval and the building approval. So the new owner, years later, had to then pay $40,000 to put the privacy louvers on. And that was, that was covered under their title insurance policy because the absence of the privacy louvers was a breach of the planning approval, mm. did not comply with the approval. But from a settlement, settlement agent's point of view, how would you ever know that? Because you're getting your orders and recs from council and you're seeing a permit history and you can see yeah, building approval. So you're telling the client, look, we've got a permit history here. That's great. But what you don't know and what you can't know as a settlement agent is whether everything on that property has, has been built in accordance with that approval. And that's an area that is a fairly niche area, and it's one of those things that is very difficult to detect. There is no way. There's no way anyone could ever know. In fact, I don't think there's a, there's a house within 500 metres of, of where we stand right now that does not have some form of illegal constru- improvement on it. It's, I'll need to find out where he lives. <laughs> but it, it certainly is an issue. Yeah. And and that's what insurance is all about. I mean, you know, we, you, you can do your due diligence, but at the end of the day, insurance is about, you know, just protecting yourself against those sorts of risks. Yeah, Paul, there'd be people that'd be listening to this going, well, isn't it the real estate agent's job or shouldn't the council tell us or shouldn't it be someone's job to tell us what's there and, and what's not now? And I think what we've said is there's just no way that anyone can can know. So is what you're saying is stop asking questions, just take out title insurance? Is, would that be, or is that a bit of a... No, certainly not. So the basic rule that operates in Western Australia, in fact, the whole of the country, is this concept of caveat emptor or buyer beware. Mm-hmm. So, when you, so when a client buys a property, the onus is on them to satisfy themselves about the property. The vendor really in WA doesn't have to disclose much. There's not a lot of mandatory vendor disclosure. There's certainly no requirement for a vendor to disclose the existence of unapproved works, for example. So the onus is really on the buyer. So all you could really do as a buyer, you could probably try and get into the council and get copies of plans and then try and compare the plans with what's built. That can be difficult, Mm. particularly in a hot market. And And an older property, Often they just don't have the they plans. They don't have plans. Mm. Certainly in the eastern, eastern states, even getting 
copies of plans from council is a problem because councils have been advised that releasing plans puts them at risk of copyright claims because there's copyright in plans. And so they say, I'm sorry, we can't release those plans unless we have the written permission of the copyright owner, which is the, the architect that designed the plans in 1964. Wow. So it, it can be difficult. It can be difficult. And it's also not something that certainly a settlement agent's beyond the scope of what they do. I mean, the settlement agent does a very important job. I mean, they, they're there to transfer, facilitate the transfer of title from the seller to the buyer and attend to the settlement. But they're not there to identify all planning defects, building defects, title defects, non-compliance with approval, boundary that's not something the settlement agent does. So it's really a matter for the due diligence of the buyer and becomes really a question of uh, time, resources. In Sydney, for example, I know in WA, when the market heats up, it's really a, it can be a, a seller's market in the sense that you know, a seller's got 30 buyers lined up to buy a property. And if this problematic buyer rocks up and says, yeah, look, I'm not going to buy this property unless you do this and you do this and I get 13 weeks to do all my due diligence. Yeah. And next buyer. The buyer is, okay, buy next yep. and then off you go. So practically speaking, if you had a lot of time, a lot of resources, you could investigate many of these things. And even investigation of these things won't necessarily reveal everything. Mm. So that's the point I was making before about insurance. It's like, I don't think title insurance is any different from any other kind of insurance. I mean- we insure our homes against fire. That doesn't mean that we don't you know, take precautions to ensure that our house burns down. But sometimes the house just burns down because of things that are beyond our control or, or knowledge. Mm. So certainly I would encourage anyone in, in WA who's buying a property to follow the advice of your settlement agent. And if they say conduct certain searches and due diligence, do that. But in our experience, the insurance is still necessary because of the issues we're covering under our title insurance policy are not necessarily things that can be easily discovered by due diligence, particularly in a market where you've got a little bit of time and a little bit of money to spend on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these improvements, they're, they're a big problem. Fences, big problem. Boundary line defects. Is there one more big one that rears its head? Look, it's not really a big one, it's just a common one, mm-hmm. which is rates and taxes. Mm-hmm. So you know, when people buy properties, there's always going to be council rates, water rates, land tax that gets charged on the land. And part of the settlement agent's job is to make sure that you know, those outstanding rates and debts are paid in full as at the date of settlement. And therefore, the new buyer takes on those responsibility, those liabilities thereafter. But probably our first, third highest source of all title insurance claims is where those rates and taxes, there's an error in those adjustments. And those errors can either come from the rating authority themselves, so they issue certificates that are incorrect, or they issue a certificate and it's not updated for settlement. And so everybody settles on the basis that, for example, a check for $1,000 in payment of all these rates will pay it in full. But in fact, there's still $1,000 owing. And so the new buyer you know, gets that liability. So that's something that's unique to a title insurance policy, that that coverage is not available anywhere else. But that is certainly 
probably our third highest source of claims in WA. So, and strata there. levies as well? In fact, strata levies is one of our biggest source of claims. There's a lot of problems around special levies. So for the people who are listening um, to this podcast, you have your sort of regular levies that, that pay for the upkeep of the property, but then you might have special levies that need to be raised to do capital improvements on the property. And some of those special levies can be a couple of thousand to tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, they can be expensive. They can be huge. Mm. And what you'd expect to see is that if there is a liability for a special levy, that's disclosed so that the incoming buyer knows that's coming or that it's contemplated. But what we see is that there's a lot of sneaky sellers out there that arrange for special levies to be created via via the strata process during the sale process. And in fact, unbeknownst to the buyer, from the minute they sign the contract to settlement, a special levy for $16,000 is actually struck and they don't know about it Mm. until they might get their second quarterly installment after settlement. And hang on, in addition to my regular $1,300 levy, there's $16,000. Where did that come from? Mm. So it's important for people to know that that risk exists. And to the extent that that levy is struck or created before settlement, which is the date that the title insurance policy is issued, that is a covered risk. And we do get those claims in in Western Australia. Mm. Yeah, we've seen them. You know, the, the, the owner has just conveniently not disclose that there's a special levy in place. And yeah, it's, uh, well, things start to get nasty. Yeah. I, I look at it as a, as a sort of garbage in garbage out concept that, so, you know, at the end of the day, the whole conveyancing industry operates on, on the strength of the certificates and the information that's been produced. That's all we've really got to rely on. And so you, you get a certificate from a strata company and you rely on it. But if it's, not, if it's not correct, then there's still going to be a liability post-settlement. And then it becomes an issue of how do we remedy that? Mm. And the last thing that people want to be doing when they buy a property and they've just expended probably the biggest sum of money in their lives is then, oh, now I've got to pay an extra 16000 but now I've got to maybe try and sue someone to recover that or the rating authorities made an error. And now I've got to fight them or the strata manager made an error or the so on and so forth. The last thing you want to do is, is being saddled with these issues. And if they're not paid and they're not resolved, they are title defects because they're charges, un, unpaid charges that, that affect or run with the title to the land. Mm. And, and there are all sorts of issues that, that people think, okay, I'll just buy a property and the, the only thing I have to worry about is mowing it on the weekend. But but um, what we see from as title insurer is that there are a lot of issues that our insureds say to us when when the claims are resolved. Tell you what, I never saw that coming. I, I never even contemplated that this would be a problem. Mm. It's not something that it is on people's radar. I think when when properties are bought, mm. Paul, I I know that you're a busy human being, and uh, you've got other places that you need to be before uh, head of the conference tomorrow. I know I could keep asking questions for hours, but I won't. Thank you so much for coming in. No, and, thanks for the uh, invite. Sharing your expertise and perspective on these problems and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, until next week, this has been Peter Fletcher. 
And that wraps up another episode of the WA Property Q&A. We hope you found our discussion valuable and gained some valuable insights into the world of property buying in Western Australia. Remember, while we strive to provide useful information, it's crucial to consult with the appropriate professionals before making any investment decisions. Don't forget to tune in next week for another exciting episode where we continue to unravel the mysteries of the WA property market. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Until then, happy property hunting and remember to seek the right advice for your personal circumstances. Thank you for listening. Thank you.